This is Robert Picardo, the holographic doctor from Star Trek Voyager, and Richard Woolsey from Stargate Atlantis. This is Vanessa Angel. This is Maris Ray. This is Christopher Heyerdahl. This is Clifton Collins Jr. This is Mally from Dollhouse. This is Alistair, and you're you're just listening to the sweet and tasty sounds of the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Episode 44, my name is Scott Herzog. And I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are your host for tonight's Sci-Fi Diner, which is actually a two-parter. We're going to be bringing you later on, uh, adding as a separate feed, probably, our separate episode, standalone by itself, a Sci-Fi Diner After Hours, or what we call it, the Sci-Fi Diner Leftovers. And we'll be getting, and that'll be just talking with uh, Kevin, who we didn't actually tell you he's going to be on the show. Kevin Dilmore and Dayton Ward are joining us again. The last time you heard them, they were on the Star Trek episode, right, Miles? Yes, with uh, Televixen. And we actually find out just a little bit in today's episode. Well, I'll tell you what we're going to find out in today's episode. But we have them on in the after hours, and they talk about some of the TV shows they're watching. And uh, we're actually responding to a listener's email, uh, or not an email, a voicemail, and we talk about it then. But on tonight's menu, we will be chatting with Kevin Dilmore, finding out a little bit about what makes him a sci-fi writer, how he got into sci-fi writer, who he is, and all that sort of stuff. So some good stuff there. We also talk about what's on our sci-fi Christmas list this year, with Christmas just a few short days away. And we also talk about, oh, I guess we talk about that for most of it, and we also get their sci-fi five and five, and then the after hours we talk about TV shows. Right. It was a good night of talking and hanging out with uh, Kevin and Dave. Yeah, it was great. It ran late, but we are excited about it. We look forward to hearing these when they actually go live then. Uh, our interview, of course, is with Kevin Dilmore. Um, but let's jump into some show news. We have a couple of exciting guests that are coming up on our show, Miles. Yes, we're trying to uh, work out a uh, time to uh, interview our uh, David Richmond Peck from V and uh, Brian Jacob Smith from uh, SGU. Uh, David Allen Mack, author of Star Trek novel uh, Vanguard and other novels, and uh, uh, one of our favorite guests, uh, um, Miracle Laurie from Dollhouse. Yeah, and David Allen Mack, we do have a date for that. will be happening early in January, and we'll be talking about that. If you have any questions for any of these guys, Twitter us, let us know. Twitter us at Herzog or Sci-Fi Diner or Son of Wharf. Email us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. Call us at 1-888-508-4343. By the way, um, if you haven't listened to this show, you got to check out Fringe Casting with Wayne and Dan. I do a little spot in the show called the Fringe Quote of the Week. Uh, these guys, if you're Fringe fans, as you'll hear us talk about in After Hours, because we're kind of Fringe fans, and you've heard us talk about in the show, that this is a show that you want to check out because they talk about everything Fringe. 
Two more things of show news before we uh, move into our trivia question from last week. We're thinking of doing some retrospective shows coming up, Miles, right? Yes. right. And uh, some of those will include probably about sliders. We'll do one of the sliders. We had suggestions from people on Farscape. If you have shows you would like us to do a retrospective on, we're thinking about doing maybe one a month. So we may not get to yours right away, but we would like to eventually hit a couple shows that we do in retrospect every so often. Just kind of break things up a little bit. And just remember some of the stuff we used to watch uh, a few years ago. So. Yeah, yeah, stuff that's maybe been forgotten. I know we did one on Firefly earlier on, and so that's probably the only retrospective we've done in that amount of time. And also, probably our next show, we're going to be talking the best of 2009, the best uh, TV shows, and the best movies of 2009. And that's that, that. That's good. So if you have your suggestions as far as the best TV shows, best movies of 2009, and want to send it to us, again, you can send it at the digits that we gave you a little bit earlier. Miles, let's move on into our trivia question from last week. Okay, last week we asked, what does Firefly, Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, 4400, and Dollhouse all have in common? And the answer was? Of course, Summer Glau. We love Summer Glau, don't we? Summer Glau rocks. She absolutely does. And the prize was a Justice League DVD, and our winner, through uh, many different forms of ways that we pulled names, our secret name-pulling machine, was who? Uh, Ken Robinson. Yep, and uh, so, Ken, we will be getting this prize off to you. I don't know if we'll make it before Christmas with the mail being backed up as it is. But we will get that prize to you. There's no trivia question for this week. We're taking a break from that. We'll start that back up in the new year, which will probably be our next episode, or maybe not quite the next, depending on when the After Hours comes out. Uh, But when we do so, you can always uh, find us and contact us and follow us. Uh, We have a contest page on our podcast page, so you can check it out then. We're going to go ahead and take a break here. You're going to hear from our friends on the TrekCast, and uh, we'll be back with Kevin and Dayton. It'll be a good ride. It will be an excellent ride. Listen up, Topaz! You know, see, it's like, hey, I still got a little Star Trek in me. I'm built on mid-21st century civilian clothing. Yeah, well, next time you see a guy that looks like Wolverine, poke me. Yeah. Oh, cocktail. Highball and cocktail. Oh. Highball and cocktail. Oh, God. This is getting bad. You're listening to TrekCast, the Star Trek podcast, www.trekcast.com. Listen to TrekCast. It'll save your virtual life. (laughs) Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. We have with us tonight two very special guests. Actually, they were with us before. Dayton is with us. How are you doing, Dayton? How's it going, guys? It is going most excellent. And Miles, of course, is with us. And with us is Kevin as well. Hello, hello. Yep, and uh, you'll recognize both those voices from back when we analyzed Star Trek Eleven and tore it apart and uh, bragged about it and oogled and awed over it and all that sort of stuff. So very cool. How many times have you watched? How many times have you guys watched Trek and DVD since it's come out? I've only watched it the one time. One time? I, I haven't even cracked the case. Oh, <laughs> I was there I was there at 12.15 to pick that thing up, a.m. to pick the thing up the day that it started, and I haven't even cracked the case. <laughs> oh, man. I well, did. That was time well spent, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. That, that was worth it. <laughs> well, worth I got to make a Taco Bell run, so it all worked out. 
I, you know what? I lied. I, I have watched it twice. I watched it once on DVD and I once on Gizmo that um, our editor sent us. Um, oh, the, uh, yeah, the, he, tell him about that. Go ahead. Yeah, he sent us a, uh, a flash drive, a USB drive that looks like the Delta Shield, you know, the Star Trek Delta Shield. Mm-hmm. And on it is a, it's a four gig USB drive and on it is the movie. Cool. And you basically just plug it and it, it runs perfect right off your laptop or whatever device you want to put it to. Oh, that's awesome. So I have watched it twice. So I have watched it twice. Once on DVD and once on that. So. Oh. And, and I've heard a little Because I had to make uh, sure it worked. Right, right. Like, yeah. But uh, um, Transformers, I think, was also doing something like that where you could get a DVD drive, a four gig drive that looked like the head of Optimus Prime or whatever. And, oh, that's and right. Pop it right. In. And it's got it's got a, a little patch cord with it. So I mean, and this thing is hefty. When Dayton picked it up, he said he thought if he chucked it across the room, he could kill somebody. I mean, it's, I mean, it's it's probably half a pound of metal in there, and uh, you can hook it up with uh, um, a little connector cord. And I have heard people talk about that there may be more movies that are experimenting with just a direct-to-digital format. I mean, you end up with a four gig drive for thirty bucks, which is a bargain, and the movie. I know that's great. That is that is cool. So you can use this as a storage device, also. I assume so. Um, Dayton, I haven't tried. There's no reason you can't. Yeah. Right. Well, that's cool. And is it is it pretty high quality then? Oh, it's outstanding. Uh, you yeah, know, the video quality, at least on the, the package, is outstanding. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, pa- yeah, the video just, quality. I mean, yeah, from beginning, I mean, just from start to finish. When as soon as he just he tossed it to me across the room on Saturday, and uh, and you know it hit me kind of like a little brick, and uh, and it was. Uh, um, I mean, just everything—the whole, the packaging, the the yeah—it's awesome. Oh, oh this thing's like a Chinese throwing star. I mean, you could probably bury it in somebody's forehead. I mean, it's <laughs> ridiculous. Cool. You know, I, I'm a little bit concerned, Dayton, because we're hearing a lot of we're hearing a lot about you, you killing people tonight. We just barely started. I mean, killing people at Toys R Us, killing people across the room. Hey, my my tax Dude. dollars went to good use training him to kill people. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyways, uh, tonight we want to find out just a little bit more about you, Kevin. Uh, yeah, since we, yeah, yeah, we, 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 of course, had you on the show, but we didn't really get a good introduction to you. I mean, we spent an entire show on Dayton, who just talked about himself nonstop. We couldn't shut him up, <laughs> and, uh, and and but 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 we want to give you a moment to kind of uh, find to introduce yourself to our audience to find out who is Kevin Dillmore. I'm I'm kind of the silent Bob of the duo. I mean, it's I mean I can I I mean I'll get I'll get to talking, but uh, but. Yeah, if you got, I mean, anything that uh, you need to know about me, Dayton probably already knows. But uh, right. so um, I could just ask, I could just ask Dayton then. Absolutely. I mean, my my fiction writing uh, career is uh, almost exclusively limited to uh, my work with Dayton. I've had uh, just a couple of uh, short stories uh, published that I've done on my own. I've got 15 years of background as a journalist uh, in a small town newspaper. I've done magazine writing. I've written for Amazing Stories and Flick. And Star Trek Communicator, which was where I kind of got my intro to the whole, you know, um, you know, professional side of Star Trek uh, through uh, working with with uh, Dan Madsen and uh, Larry Nemechek. And uh, for the last four years, I've been a writer at Hallmark Cards, which is based in Kansas City, and I get to do some pop culture stuff on top of my typical job, which is writing. Uh, direct mail and other uh, customer communications from for the marketing studio. Oh wow! Well, that's cool. So, what what got you into writing? That's a great question. Uh, it was easier major than math, I guess. <laughs> um, the, Definitely for uh, me. Uh, 
you know, the the first time that I really took a shine to writing would have been, uh, I think, after Star Wars. Um, one time, uh, I think this. I, I want to attribute this to Dean Wesley Smith, and Dayton can correct me. But um, somebody once asked, uh, I, I thought it was uh, it was Dean, uh, what the golden age of science fiction is, and the response was, the golden age of science fiction is thirteen, in which as you know, basically whatever you're digging when you're thirteen years old is what you're probably going to you know classify in your brain as science fiction. And on my 13th birthday, I was in the theater watching Star Wars for, I think, the third time by that point. Um, and I'm, and I was born, you know, in June. So it came out in May. So, uh, you know, and that's, I think I'd seen it, you know, three times by that point. We had in eighth grade, we had a, uh, Scholastic Books had a writing contest. And my eighth grade English teacher suggested that I do it. And uh, so I thought, okay, great. And I, you know, came back and I said, I wrote a 10 page story for you. And she says, it's awesome. You know, and she opened it up and it was, it was a prequel to star Wars. Um, and <laughs> basically just a little story about the droids. And, um, and she went, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and in uh, and in ninth grade, I remember I did uh, a uh, a book report uh, on uh, on Han Solo at Star's End, which was the first, was I guess the second Star Wars tie-in novel. And uh, my teacher handed it back to me and with an F on it and said, "I need you to uh, write a book report on a real book." Oh, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so so yeah, but that Not was cool. I mean really I mean it was back then was when I thought that it would be great if I. You know, I'm not much of a world builder. It's, I mean, you know, writing original science fiction uh, is something that I've had one uh, real experience doing. But I love tie-in writing, and uh, you know, both uh, gracious opportunities that editors have given me, uh, and of course, uh, you know, working with Dayton because I know I would never have uh, have uh, even tried it by myself. It's it's been uh, it's been a really fun ride so far. I mean, I got into newspapers and journalism. I think more when I was in college, I got interviewed by a student. On it was it was in 1988. I th- no, take that back. It was in '86. It was about uh, uh, comic books. She did a story on comic book collecting. Went to the comic book store and said, uh, you know, get, send me to somebody that goes to KU that that collects books. And uh, and the guy who ran the comic book store sent her to me. And I got interviewed and read the story that she wrote in the paper. And my first response was, well, hell, I can do better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I never went to J school, so that was when I decided that it would be fun to work for a newspaper and and write. I mean, feature stories and hard news. I've done all sorts of stuff, but my favorite is still uh, um, kind of writing about pop culture, which is opportunities that I got to explore with Star Trek Communicator and now with Star Trek Magazine oh, with awesome. uh, Titan Publications. Yeah, it's been it's been I've been pretty blessed. Kim, what was your uh, earliest sci-fi memory you said uh, that really caught your attention? Well, the, the the first uh, really the first thing that I can think of, science fiction wise, I know is probably a tie. Well, shoot, I guess I mean Johnny Quest and Space Ghost um, and, uh, and and Superman cartoons, all sorts of stuff that uh, Filmation was doing and Hanna Barbera was doing. Uh, you know, back in the '60s, um, I absolutely loved the Star Trek cartoon that Filmation did in '73. And in fact, I wasn't even really aware, um, conscious that Star Trek was a live action show. Um, and the, the, my neighbor across the street was the one that you dork. You know, this is a real this is a real live TV show. It's not a cartoon. And and that's when I found out they were running after school. The Planet the Apes movies, Universal monster movies. Uh, um, I, I still remember being really scared for uh, when I first time I saw Frankenstein meets the Wolfman and Silent Running. I mean, those are the things that that really got the hook in me for science fiction. Um, and then uh, reading the first time I remember reading a science fiction novel that uh, that really resonated with me was uh, it would have been uh, uh, 
like the like two days before Christmas break was over and I had to go back to school with a book report and that's when I decided to read Stranger in a Strange Land and I read it I think in a day and that was my freshman year in high school and went nuts over it and then I started doing uh, uh, Bradbury short stories R's for Rocket S's for Space so um, and uh, A Martian Chronicles and and so yeah Bradbury and Heinlein were probably the, the my gateway drugs for uh, for science fiction and they're still authors I really admire today yeah, that's awesome. They're, they're good authors. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, well worth it. Your first published book, was that done with Dayton then? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, the uh, the first thing that I had uh, uh, published for uh, fiction was, uh, I think, what? I guess it would have been, what, maybe your fifth story, Dayton? I mean, the three in Strange New Worlds and In the Name of Honor and then and then Interface? Yeah. I mean, I wrote In the Name of Honor before we wrote Interface together, but Interface was published first. Okay. So... Um, because it was so, fast yeah. track with the ebook program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were contracted. Uh, uh, I think. Well, if I remember right, it was like October thirty first of two thousand was when we got the call that said that uh, that interface was was a go from uh, John Ordover. And then, uh, um, gosh, what did it release in February or March? It was like February or March of two thousand one. Yeah, something like that. And then, yeah. and then it was in print in December of uh, of that year, December or January. Um, it came out, yeah, it came out like in January tw- uh, two thousand two, because the first SCE compilation came out the same month as In the Name of Honor. Okay. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, and I remember going to the bookstore and finding it um, just in time to take to Christmas Eve to show my grandma. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> that that she was she was probably proud. She she seemed to be very proud. You know, my mom seems to be proud, but but she's never read any of my stuff. Uh, and my daughter tried to read um, one of my stories for a book report, and mired uh, halfway through it. The teacher had to break it to me that she didn't like my stuff. Um, <laughs> so that was that was a short story that I wrote by myself for uh, the uh, New Frontier anthology, and so that I talked her into write, reading Judy Bloom instead of me for for her book. <laughs> right, right, right. A little bit more accessible to her at least. It seemed to be, yes. Yeah, and and yeah. she's very I mean my daughter she uh, turned 16 a couple of weeks ago and is not a genre person at all. She doesn't seem to I mean I mean the closest that uh, I've seen her get to a uh, genre show was we both fell in love with uh, the the uh, the American version of Life on Mars when it aired. Okay. But but she Totally embraced the new Star Trek film. Um, in fact, it was the only time I think that she got a little bit of street cred from her friends at school that uh, you know having a geek for a dad um, isn't so bad because they kept asking her if, if uh, um, she could hook him up with early passes to the movie. Tate <laughs> and I, I think saw it three times before it was even officially released, and uh, and she saw it in uh, um, in IMAX like two days before it came out because she came along with us to a screening. Wow. So yeah, that was the one time that you know that that it, it was actually marginally cool in high school. We've been knowing talking to you about this, but maybe I can point this to Dayton here. How did you and uh, Kevin hook hook up? How did you guys meet? How did this all come about? Uh, uh, eHarmony dot truck stop. eHarmony truck stop bathroom is always what I go for. Our eHarmony. They say it doesn't work, but by gosh. Oh, match.com. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we uh, connected from, from, I mean, well, I guess, well, you can, hell, he asked you the question, go. <laughs> I, I was wondering I when mean, you realized that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you, way to be silent, dude. Like, <laughs> 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 ah. 
Luckily, he can edit all this out. Anyway, uh, yeah. yep. or keep it all in. Uh, so. We met. Yeah, we met because Ken at the time was uh, he was freelancing for the Star Trek Communicator magazine, and I had just been selected as one of the winners for the first uh, Star Trek Strange Worlds writing contest. And he drew the assignment to interview all of those first eighteen winners. And he was doing his lookups and research or whatever it was he was getting his contact together, and he figured out that you know at the time we were living about forty five minutes apart. So uh, he called me up or emailed me. I don't remember which one, but anyway, he suggested that we get together somewhere in the middle and meet for a beer and do this interview. Uh, so I met him one afternoon after work, and I think the whole interview took about, what, 20 minutes, and then we ended up yammering for about another two weeks because we had so much in common. Mm-hmm. So, And then after that, we started hanging out and uh, doing nerdy things together like going to conventions or doing this, that, or the other. And uh, And then at some point – I was still working on my first – by that point, I mean, we, well, we've been friends for a couple of years because I had gone ahead and won the next two Strange New Worlds contests. And then I'd gotten a contract to write a book for Pocket, a Star Trek novel for Pocket. And he and I were still palling around together, and he was doing his work for The Communicator. And I think we may have even collaborated on an article for The Communicator or two by, by that point. By that time, I think we had collaborated on at least one. At least one. And then um, the way we started writing together there was uh, – pick it up, Kevin – um, I had been called by John Ordover, who was uh, – at the time, I was also writing for StarTrek.com, and John Ordover was the uh, editor of the Star Trek line of uh, fiction and pocketbooks. He gave me a call and asked me if I was interested in either for uh, StarTrek.com or The Communicator breaking the story that um, pocketbooks had entered into an agreement with Microsoft to write original Star Trek fiction that would strictly be for their new ebook reader. And I said, of course, and he, I found out who wanted the story first and uh, got all those ducks in a row, called John back and, and interviewed him. And when he was telling me the uh, premise of the series, which was uh, Star Trek SCE for Starfleet Corps of Engineers, he explained to me some of the stories that were being written initially for the book. The first three ebooks were contracted, um, and, uh, and it was uh, um, Dean Wesley Smith wrote the first one, uh, Christy Golden wrote the second, and Keith DeCandido wrote the third. And he was giving us ideas for uh, um, stories. At least I think I've got the – tell me if I've got the authors mixed up. Um, I can't remember now who wrote the second and the third. But he had given a, given me a quick premise of the kinds of stories he was looking for for the series. And that's when I said, oh, well, so you're just kind of looking for things like you know, what if they decided in the 24th century they could figure out how to get the Defiant out of uh, that rip in space from the 23rd century. And there was this pause and he said uh, – yeah, that's exactly the kind of story that I'm looking for. And I asked if I could pitch it, and he said, sure. And I hung up, and I immediately called Dayton, and I said, I just got – I'm edited for family content, but uh, I just got myself in a world of trouble, and uh, and, and I need you to help me get out. <laughs> and and, you know, and asked him if, if this is something that he'd even remotely be interested in trying together, um, and he said, absolutely. It was not too long after that that we went to Lawrence for the uh, for a science fiction uh, I mean, writing conference. Um, it was the Campbell Conference that's held on the campus of the University of Kansas in Lawrence, which is about half an hour away from us. Uh, we went over and met with some people for the Campbell Conference and then uh, uh, holed up in a bar in Lawrence and uh, walked out with the you know, you know basically the pitch for Interface, which was the first thing we did together. So and and uh, and the holding up a thing is a recurring theme. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, truck but, stopped, uh, pocket, whatever. Exactly. Uh, they were very receptive to it. In fact, uh, um, originally it was going to be a uh, twenty to 25,000 word piece, and they liked the idea of it so much the editor called back. At least I'm. I'll, I'll just say that's the story, assuming they liked it. But they called back and said, "How'd you like to double your word count and make it a two-parter?" Um, and so we said, "Sure," and wrote what ended up being, I think, between fifty and fifty-five thousand words for Interphase. Uh, cliffhangered it, and then they uh, ended up taking the first part of it and bundling it with uh, one of the versions of uh, of the Palm. Got pretty popular, and SCE started to really uh, take off from that point so and the yeah. rest they say is uh still going exactly mm-hmm. right, right. a mystery yeah so it's a yeah. mystery yeah <laughs> or something like that so what is the next thing on the horizon as far as writing for you two guys well uh dayton's got a couple of uh, i mean he's he's working on solo projects right now that he can tell you about um yeah, we- i'm don't know that we're. I mean, I guess the next thing that's published we're working on t- together is going to be is going to come out in March or April, and it's uh, it's a uh, novella for a uh, for an anthology that is called uh, Seven Deadly Sins. It's a Star Trek book, and what the editor um, at the time, uh, Marco Palmieri, did was match seven of Star Trek's most uh, um, popular or at least most visible, most recognizable alien races with each of the seven deadly sins. And he asked us if we wanted to uh, take the sin of pride uh, matched with the ruins and write a story. And and so we did, and that'll be out uh, this spring. Um and that's the next thing that we've got uh, uh you know that's that's going to hit stores. But but Dayton's got some things coming up uh, between then. And Dayton, you you did kind of share some of uh, that in the last time we interviewed you, but uh, just for refresher minds, what's coming out for you in this coming spring season? In this, about the same time that the Seven Deadly Synology comes out, about a month later, uh, I have an original science fiction novel coming out called Counter Strike, which is a sequel to a, a a couple of years or several years ago called The Last War. Uh, I finally managed to get a green light on that earlier this year. And I'm, in fact, as a matter of fact, I've got the stack of first pass pages on my desk right now that I'm looking for while I listen to Kevin talk. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you're, li- you're actually listening to me talk? <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, huh? Huh? I refuse to answer that question on the grounds that it might incriminate me. <laughs> um, but uh, – and then <laughs> I'm also at, at present working on um, the manuscript for a Star Trek Next Generation novel, uh, which is one of a – four-part series called the Typhon Pact. Uh, um, it's a series you know, that takes place after this big shakeup that the Star Trek universe has undergone uh, with respect to the Borg came and invaded Federation space and really kicked the crap. And But now we're in the midst of rebuilding, and there are uh, several smaller powers who have banded together and Form their own little coalition and have decided to kind of like the Warsaw Pact. They've decided they're going to give the Federation a run for its money. Oh. So I'm I'm writing the the last book in that series. That sounds and that'll be fun. out this time next year. So oh, good. and then I, between now and then, Kevin and I have got. I know I, I know Kevin and I'll probably do some work for Star Trek Magazine, and, and we on early talks to do whatever is next in the Star Trek Vanguard series. Uh, we'll likely pal up for that. And then who knows, you know, right. it's yeah, usually uh, we, we, we've been surprised on occasion where the editor will just call us up and go, hey, you guys want to do this? Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and we'll say, sure. Yeah. Uh, and then think about what it is we agreed to do. Yeah. yeah. And then deal with <laughs> where, the, where the ships fall, right? 
exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the uh, I guess the the next thing that we do have in print coming together coming out together that I didn't really consider was a uh, uh, an article for the next issue of Star Trek magazine, um, okay. the, the Titan Publications magazine that's based in London. Uh, that'll be, uh, gosh, I don't know, within the next few weeks, I would imagine. Uh, I think it's there's an issue coming out. Like next week, and then the stuff that we did that's will be in the issue following that, and, and the and the and the magazine releases a new issue every six weeks. So okay, okay, um, so probably that, it, is, that's the first of the year. Okay, is the Klingon story in the issue that's coming up? No, it's in the one after that. Issue twenty three okay, is it. the issue coming out, and then we're in issue twenty four after the first of the year. And then we're already in talks okay. with the editor to do stuff for the next two issues after that. So mm-hmm. he's keeping right. us pretty busy. No, well that's that's good because he's good. We wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Good tidings we bring to you and your kin. Good tidings for Christmas and a Happy New Year. Well, let's shift gears here just a little bit. And uh, tonight we want to talk about what is on your sci-fi Christmas list. Ah. Yes, what is on your sci-fi Christmas list? And it can be anything, realistic or not. And, Blow uh, up a Ryan Slave Girl doll? Yeah, there you, <laughs> there you go. There you go. As long as your well, wife doesn't mind. Don't go buy one. Finally got it, all right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man. Everybody got, everybody got it who's going to get it? That's okay. right, that's okay, right. On. All right. I thought uh, since we just uh, kind of uh, focused on Kevin here for a little bit, why don't we let you, Dayton, if you want to, go first with your sci-fi Christmas list. Now, is he going to do the, the whole list, or are we going to like rotate one at a time and pass it around? It doesn't matter. Do you want to do it that way? Oh, I just, I, I just didn't know how you sure, wanted to do it. Sure, let's do it that way. Why don't you start us out, Dayton? What's first, what's, give me one on your list. I'll, I'll start from the mundane. and Most of my stuff is probably pretty available if I just had the cash to get it. Right, so. right. We'll start with the small stuff and my way up. The first thing I want to do is I'll tell you what. I'm not much of a gamer. I don't play a lot of computer games anymore, not because I don't like them. It's because I simply don't have time. But I'm really excited about Star Trek Online. I have been following the development and the news behind this game, and I am actually very jazzed about getting it. So my first wish list item is the collected edition of the Star Trek Online game. Oh. And I want it from GameStop because apparently it comes with an exclusive constant. Constitution class starship configuration for the game. So if you're going to buy it for me, buy it at GameStop. All right, that's good to know. Go. That's good Kevin. to know. <laughs> that's <laughs> very cool. No, yeah. I didn't. I didn't know they were they were doing something exclusive yeah. for that. You know, no. they're doing a bunch of exclusives. There's a bunch of different exclusives, but uh, I mean, depending on where you buy it from. But that's the one that's. In. I'm actually thinking about pre-ordering that one just so I can save them between you know the money. I think it comes out in February, so I'll probably you know put the money away between now and then and pick it up. Now, so, uh, well, hell, if, if, if you're going to get exclusive, first, why would you? Yeah, but if you're gonna get an exclusive, why would you not want the Constitution class? I mean, that's just idiot proof. <laughs> this is what I mean, I'm this, saying. It's the only, yeah, the only ship I'd want to fly. Yeah. Now, Dayton, have you ever played any any MMO before? I've never played one. Yeah. But if I figure if I'm going to learn, this will be the one to try. It will be. Try out. Me too. Yeah. Oh, very cool. All right. All right, uh, Kevin, your list. What okay, cool. List? Well, I'll go. I, I mean, I'm I'm trying to bounce all over, but I'm gonna t- I'm gonna follow Dayton's lead and go from what I think is the uh, is the least expensive uh, on my list, at least as far as list price. Um, and it is the Star Wars Chop Sabers. Have you seen these things? No. 
They're manufactured by uh, um, Kotobukiya, which you can find on Koto, K-O-T-O-U-S, kotous.com. You could also pick them up at ThinkGeek, but I think they're actually sold out. They list for $20, bucks, um, and they are lightsaber chopsticks. Um, oh, yes, like I, did, I, did, right I did see these. I did see these. Yeah. I got the um, catalog right here. It says twelve ninety nine. From yeah, twelve ninety nine for a thank you. Yeah, um, but uh, the, the list is for twenty. They were given away at Comic Con, and they're one of the things that I was kind of, or at least maybe maybe they were selling them. But uh, they were one of the things I was trying hard to get, and I wasn't able to snag. But uh, they they have three versions: uh, Skywalker Blue, Dark Red, and Yoda Green. The Yoda ones are actually a little bit shorter than the other. Um, and according to <laughs> the, uh, believe it or not, um, but, but according to the according to the write up, uh, you know they're uh, they're great for sushi. They're they're, uh, they're great for uh, anything, uh, any Asian food, but they do not light up or slice effortly, effortlessly through flesh. So, uh, uh, oh well. The, well, we'll be yeah. able to pick up food if it could. <laughs> they don't have Mace Windy purple? No, yeah. no, but I think if you got them, they would quote Ezekiel 523. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Nice, nice. Okay, Miles, how about you go next? All right, I'm going to go with uh, maybe not. Um, l- Less expensive, but um, uh, this will this will be relevant to what we talked about in our last show together. Um, uh, I asked uh, for a Blu-ray player for uh, for Christmas because I want to see the new Star Trek on Blu-ray. Hey, practical that works. That's that's a good one. That's a very good one. Very good one. Uh, my uh, the first one on my list is a Matrix 10th anniversary on Blu-ray. Whoa! Because I remember, I don't, know, I don't know if you remember when DVDs kind of became popular. The movie that you had to own on DVD Matrix got shafted. Yeah, yeah. The the Matrix was was the movie to see. I mean, with the effects and the soundtrack that was kind of pumping through your your surround sound at the time. At least in this area, this that was the movie to own. And so I can just imagine that on Blu-ray, it would just even be a better experience. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. That's a but, great choice. But I, no, that's I, a great choice. I, I love The Matrix. I mean, the subsequent movies didn't do so much for me, but the first one was just kind of revolutionary. But, but all right, uh, back to you, Dayton. Dayton yeah, I'll uh, I'll second. I'll I'll go ahead and add another wish item for the Blu-ray player um, since I don't have one. And the reason I want one is because I want all three original series Star Trek seasons oh, yeah. on Blu-ray. Oh yeah. So combine those together. <laughs> package that together. All right. so my stock is big uh, enough. Put it in there. So. Yeah, the three pack for the uh, original series Blu-ray uh, lists at three twenty one ninety nine, um, but uh, you can pick it up for probably about half that at, on Amazon. That actually was on my list too. Um, that was my my high my high ticket item was the three pack of the season. But but the season three one um, is uh, I mean unless I mean the uh, um, and you guys may have already talked about it, but. Uh, uh, Dayton has actually seen this, and I have not. But uh, on the season three Blu-ray, uh, they're going to include a uh, a new uh, alternate pilot for uh, Where No Man Has Gone Before. Ooh, that'll be worth. Oh, it's seeing. an alternate cut. Yeah, an it's, alternate cut. Yeah, and, and uh, you and you've seen sections of this, haven't you, Dayton? I have a copy on a bootleg VHS tape somewhere. So yeah, yeah. And they little... it's that different. I mean, they 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 start a little differently, and it's they break it up into acts like an old Quinn Martin show. You know, it comes back from commercial and says Star Trek Act Two, and then uh, I think the music at the end is different. Uh, it's been a long time since I've watched it, but there, I mean, there are some there are some slight differences, but nothing nothing huge. Yeah, uh, they should a little on. But it's sci-fi worth checking out. 
website too. It's, yeah, it's worth checking out as an artifact, you know, of Trek history. It's it's looking into. Miles. All right, this is more on the um, ridiculous childish side. Um, I want to be, and maybe you guys would appreciate this a little. Um, I want to have at least an hour for myself in a um, replica of an of an original series um, Star Trek uh, bridge. Um, that, oh, a few uh, hours of alone time. You know, just just you know, <laughs> let my inner eight year old come out and uh, just you know. Let me just enjoy some time on the bridge. Um, I got to enjoy a little bit at the uh, expedition in Philly back in September, but uh, everybody, you know, too many people kept coming in and kept disrupting my alone time. So I want some alone time. We did that. Uh, Kevin and I did got to do that. Not this, but um, 2008 after Comic Con, they had the exhibition going right there in San Diego, a couple block, what, like two miles from our hotel. Yeah. So. We we got to and we went. It was like a Monday morning, so it was after the convention was over and everybody was going home. And we we pretty much had the run of the place, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did. In uh, fact, uh, we uh, it wasn't that crowded when we went. Mm-hmm. We uh, were, you know, they they had the deal where you could sit in the uh, in the captain's chair and have your photograph taken professionally. But because it was pretty slow, the guy who was in charge of monitoring the bridge let us snap some individual photos of ourselves in the chair. And I got a picture of Dayton in the uh, in the uh, awesome quintessential Shatner pose, kind of the uh, you know with the with the hand on the chin, leaning on the on one arm of the chair, and, and it, it was it was great. Awesome. Yeah, we got pictures at the different stations. Yeah, they, he let us play around there for about, what, a good 10 minutes or so. We were goofing oh, off. So. Easily, yeah. Um, yeah, you took a picture of me at like Spock Station or something. And, uh, yeah, something uh, like that, yeah. Yeah, there's stuff where like I'm sitting in uh, in Chekhov's uh, chair at the helm, and uh, and Dayton's in the captain's chair, and I've got this like you know, I mean, ready to wet my pants. <laughs> oh my god, it's, it's a big green hand. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so I mean, it was yeah, I, 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 Miles, I would absolutely uh, second that as a, as a as a fun idea for a sci-fi list because even just a few minutes we had goofing off um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah, in Philly they had the uh, mock-up of the. Uh, of the next generation bridge, uh, but they didn't have a mock-up of the original series bridge. They had the the, the chair which you could sit in, and was, which was behind a green screen. So, but um, that's the bridge I really want to uh, be on. No bloody A, B, C, or D. Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> on my list, another one would be a full-scale replica of an X-wing. Whoa! You know they offered one of those for sale once. Um, I think there are like uh, I think there are like six. There are like six or seven of them in existence, or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember. Was it like the Hammock or Schlemmer catalog from way back in the day, um, where they always had like this fantasy present that they had every year? Like one was a personal submarine, and one was. But they, I've got a copy of that catalog somewhere where they offered you could purchase a full scale X wing. (laughs) Nice. That would just be awesome. I'd, I'd probably stick it out in my barn or something. You know, I don't know. I couldn't put it anywhere. <laughs> Park it in the driveway, right? <laughs> you know? <Yeah>. Anyways, if, <laughs> if, I, if I could get – if I, if money was not an object, that would certainly be one that would be on my list. Dayton, it's back to you. Well, I'm – Gonna, uh, I'm gonna keep it in the realm of the of the, of the possible here. <laughs> gonna, See, all I was gonna say, gonna, my list gonna, now looks completely mundane. <laughs> no. Complete. I'm gonna start making crap up now. Hang on a second. Um, uh, 
I'm going to kind of dovetail into what Miles wants. I want one of those murals that you can put on the wall that they've got where the whole thing is like nine feet tall and 15 feet long, and it looks just like a snapshot of the TOS bridge. Wow. Have you seen these? I have not. Well, they retail for $149 at thinkgeek.com if anybody wants to put it on a Christmas. <laughs> or send one to you, right? <laughs> send one to me for testing purposes. That's right. Uh, so anyway, yeah, give that a look. It's a, it's pretty cool. My wife has forbidden me from buying <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. My wife will probably be yeah. agree too. She's like, yeah. if you buy that, it'll be used to paper your new apartment because you won't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 this is I good because I think about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I, I did a, a quick uh, um, internet search uh, in case uh, um, he didn't come up with the price. And one of this, like on Gadget Blips, their headline for the piece is uh, Star Trek TOS Wall Mural Turns Your Mom's Basement into the Bridge. <laughs> yeah. Turns your parents' basement into the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Notice not your basement. Nice. No. Nice. Oh, Kevin, you're next. Um, the, again, from the mundane, one of the movies I'm looking forward to uh, uh, this Christmas is uh, Sherlock Holmes. And the uh, uh, um, A&E uh, Home Video, which are the, uh, the makers of the fantastic uh, Homicide Life on the Street set, have uncovered the only five you know, existing episodes of the BBC's Sherlock Holmes series from the 1960s that stars Peter Cushing as Sherlock Holmes. Um, it's also got uh, um, Nigel Stock as Dr. Watson, and if you don't know who he is, who I sure as heck didn't, apparently he was in an episode of Danger Man, he was in an episode of the original Prisoner, um, and uh, he uh, was in a uh, Doctor Who episode from the Peter Davison era called Time Flight. Um, but uh, there was a uh, the Hammer Films made a uh, Sherlock Holmes movie with uh, with Peter Cushing. Uh, I think they did Hound of the Bastards, and it was and, and I thought that was really cool from back in the day. And and so uh, the idea of seeing uh, uh, Peter Cushing do more Sherlock Holmes, I think, is cool. So it's uh, uh, twenty nine ninety five is what it lists for. I think Amazon had it for twenty bucks. Uh, Sherlock Holmes: The Collection is what that's called. Oh, very nice, very nice. Miles, you're up. Uh, I'll go back to the practical and affordable. Um, basically, asked my wife, just said, um, "Star Trek on Blu-ray, and I'll be fine." Oh, that's always good. So, do you and wait- a good choice. Now, do you, I mean, if you were to pick something that uh, you, you really were hoping would show up, uh, what would you uh, what would you go for? As, as far as uh, Blu-rays go, or well, no, it's, I mean, you're looking for the movies, you're looking for a series. Uh- oh, oh, I'm sorry, uh, the, the movie, the, uh, the the last movie. I want to get the last movie. Oh, okay, Blu-ray. okay, yeah. got it. Got, Got it. it. Sorry for being vague. No, 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 no. That's all right. I was just curious. Uh, well, my list is a Cylon toaster. <laughs> I don't oh. know if you saw these things come out. These uh, they, they they retail for about sixty five bucks, and it's a toaster that actually burns the uh, the shape of one of the Cylon Centurions onto the toast itself. And you can pick these up. Oh. I know that. Uh, oh, they're made by who? Who? Who makes them? Uh, this is, I just had it here. Um, they were made for the San Diego Comic Con. They were there, but they have, they burn an image of a silent on each side of your freshly browned toast. I was just on the site. Re- Reg Hardware makes yeah. it, I guess. Very good. Would, would you, would you like to speak to a former owner of one? Is that you? No, I had one for about five minutes. Okay. And what I happened to it? I had one for it? about five minutes. Well, here's what happened. I'm at Comic Con and, um, there is a gal on Twitter who goes by the moniker Geek Girl Diva. 
Oh yes, and she works for she works for the company Entertainment Earth. That are, and um, she was twittering from the con floor saying, you know, come see me at booth whatever her booth number was for Entertainment Earth. And apparently, at some point, or before the con had started, I, we had made a point to say, hey, if you if we cross paths, let's you know let's try to say hi to each other, and meet each other. Person we'd never met in person. So anyway, I'm on the con floor and I see the Entertainment Earth booth. So I said, "Well, I'll go walk over and see if she's there and say hi." Well, I walk over and I introduce myself, and she says, "Did you my tweet? You know, the Twitter message?" And I said, "No, I've been walking the floor and I haven't been checking that stuff." And she says, "Well, repeat after me and something like that." And I said, "Okay." So she's like, "I saw your tweet. I saw your tweet. Now give me my damn toaster. Now give me my damn toaster." So she puts one of these toasters in my hand oh, for nice. free. Nice. And I'm like, what the hell am I going to do with this? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I knew what it was, but I hadn't thought anything of it. So anyway, I've got this thing under my arm, you know, and I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do with this? I, gotta, I don't want to hump this thing home on the plane. So I walk <laughs> over to the Hallmark booth and I ask Kevin, I say, hey, is any of your, your any of your coworkers here you're a Galactica fan? And he says, oh, yeah, so-and-so is an absolute freak for the show. And so I handed in the box and said, give her this and tell her my, with my compliments. Oh, there you go. And so and, the last and I heard, she, she had an she had an aneurysm on the con floor when she opened the box. Oh yeah, when, <laughs> yeah. When, um, uh, uh, Christine Taylor, who works for licensing um, at Hallmark and was uh, one of our group that uh, came out to Comic Con, when she opened it up, she just about did a flip. I mean, it was uh, I have not uh, uh, seen her that wild to uh, to pick up something, and it was it was very very cool. So no, she was very appreciative. And I yeah, believe apparently that she was uh, trying to get one and couldn't get one or struck out or they wouldn't give her um, one or something. So I go back to the pulling. hotel room and look it up on the internet. It's going for 99 bucks. I'm like, give me that thing back. <laughs> 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 so yeah, she was trying to pull, she was trying to play every card and pull every angle she could to get one and she just couldn't do it. So well, that's awesome. So it was for, I guess my turn. The Star Trek Starfleet edition of the uh, Airwalk uh, um, sneakers from Payless Shoe Source. Wow, there you go. <laughs> have you seen these things? I have. They're, they're awesome. Oh, they're awesome. For fifty bucks, uh, you can get uh, um, you know the red, yellow, or blue, um, and they. Uh, from what I understand, they're you know they're, they're becoming harder to find, but you can still get them online uh, from uh, from Payless. So uh, so I just Dayton and I have kind of eyeballed uh, those shoes ever since they uh, showed up. At first, we thought it's you know pretty ludicrous, but once you actually see them, you think, hey, you know what? These are kind of cool. <laughs> mm. Is there anything in your list that you would uh, like to? Ooh, any anything that you want to add to your list, Dayton? Since you guys went completely off the deep end with you know full size X wings and all that. No, oh, go ahead. Stuff. I'm gonna go. Ahead, I'm gonna go ahead and go for broke, and I want somebody to break into the National Air and Space Museum and bring me back the filming model of the original Enterprise from Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the lower level gift shop, National Air and Space Museum. You know, it's in a glass case, so you're gonna have to bust it out of there. But uh, I, you know, I've written a story that actually details how to do that. So, oh, good. good. Um, you know, get to work. <laughs> All right, right. Send me the story, and I'll do it. There you go. <laughs> uh, Miles, you're up. Um, I don't know if this is on the um, practical, affordable, ridiculous, or whatever, but this is what I. This is nothing I'd like. I would love an autographed copy of the next Kevin Dillmore and Dayton Ward uh, Star Trek novel. Wow. There you go. Yes. We could probably yeah, uh, well, the set you up. People in hell want water. No. <laughs> <laughs> we, can, <laughs> we can talk the offline. The ditch diggers, too. We can offline. Yo, man. So, uh, 
That no, is I, hilarious. I think we, we can certainly arrange that. Thank no, you. There you go. There you go. There you go. Sweet. If on Christmas morning, this is on my list, uh, one of the things I would love to hear on Christmas morning is that the announcements would come that the Winter Olympics have been canceled and that Fringe, Flash Forward, and V return two months earlier than expected. <laughs> That's not that's not a bad wish. You know what though? I don't watch the Summer Olympics that much, but the Winter Olympics I kind of like. Yeah, they have some good sports. Don't get me wrong, but it's just I hate the way it's kind of this year. It seems to really be breaking up our shows. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it is. I mean, I mean, next to the writer strike, this is probably about as big of a of a uh, um, uh, you know gap in TV that I watch that I've ever experienced. And it's yeah. and it, it, nobody wants to go up against it. It's just going to, I think it's because it's uh, so many events are going to be um, live in prime time this time around that no one is, is uh, brave enough to schedule programming against it. Well, that's, that's good. That's good. That's a good take on what we wish for Christmas. Anything else you guys want to add that you're dying to add to your list that we didn't mention yet? Well, there's there's a couple things that I would absolutely throw on if we're Go looking ahead. for something to talk about. Um, the uh, I, I got to give uh, props to uh, Dayton's and uh, and my uh, mutual great friend uh, Bob Greenberger. Um, he and uh, and his uh, and co-author uh, Matthew Manning have uh, written a book that came out uh, not about a month or so ago called The Batman Vault. And uh, and it looks awesome. Um, they bill it as a museum in a book. Uh, the list price for it is fifty dollars, but you can certainly get it for a lot less uh, if you were to look. And the cool thing is that it's a you know it's it's a history of Batman from nineteen thirty nine to the present. But inside the book, besides this great illustrated history, are reproductions of all sorts of great you know Batman memorabilia, like um, you know flyers from. The show in the '60s, um, you know, uh, um, masks and certificates, and you know, um, and comic book pages and sketches and posters. I mean, the thing is just chock full of really cool retro Batman stuff. And if uh, if you're a, a Batman kind of guy, it looks like it's just got a ton of really fun stuff in it. And uh, knowing Bob the way that Dayton and I do, he is uh, a, uh, a a great. Um, wealth of knowledge when it comes to uh, uh, DC Comics, and he's a former editor. Uh, he was writing comics back when uh, when I was in uh, in high school, I think. And he's not that much older than us. I mean, he's he's been doing it from a very young age. And uh, so, if you're a Batman guy, um, you know, there's you you couldn't uh, um, uh, ask for much better than than being in Bob's hands and go through the uh, history of Batman. So I just, I'm I'm excited to see what that's like. And uh, Dayton, a yeah. uh, Dayton, anything? Well, since, yeah. Anything that you would add? Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. You know, since we're on the Batman tangent, if uh, one of those '60s Batmobiles in my driveway on Christmas morning with a big red bow on it, I won't complain. <laughs> there you <laughs> go. Yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. That'd be great. So, yeah. so that'd be and good. with a bikini model in the passenger seat. That'd be even, <laughs> that would be even better. Even better. What about what else? Shoes and I, Orion. Right. Say that again. Uh, sure, it. we could do we could do our Ryan Slave Girls in the in the, the, Batmobile? In the Batmobile. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Cross genres. There we go. We'll, There's we'll a blend cross genre license. collision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say Yvonne Craig, right? She played Batgirl, Lana, and a Girl. So there you go. Perfect. Yes, that is that is the uh, the exact cross rip in time we needed. <laughs> Miles, uh, I would agree with you, Dayton, about the Star Trek Online. I've never played any MMOs yet, but uh, I. Uh, definitely going to try this one out. Uh, so I'd love to have a free month of that. And yeah. The, um, like a, which which one do you say? I'm not, I'm not much of a gamer. 
you know. Yeah. So GameStop, I think. GameStop, was okay, has the um, GameStop, yeah. Okay, so that's something I check out. I love computer games. I mean, I love games. I just I don't have the time to play them. I mean, I if I bought one of those game consoles like an Xbox or a Wii, I mean, I'd never leave the house. Yeah, and I'd never bathe or eat or you know do anything else. But yeah. uh, I love games. But and I'm just just watching, just listening to these guys when they talk on podcasts and the interviews they give at their website and forums and stuff. I mean, I've been kind of kind of lurking on the boards and stuff over there at Star Trek Online and just keeping tabs on the development process. And it's so I'm looking. I mean, I'm I've never tried an MMO before. Wow, you know, if if, if I got that, if I got that, I'd have to stop podcasting. Hmm. <laughs> that's, that's good. Exactly. I, I look at my, I look at my family. In fact, I played WoW World of Warcraft for four years. All right. And oh, just God. and I just quit. I guess it was May of this past year. I quit and just never got back into it, which is fine with me. But uh, and I look at Star Trek Online or Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic that's coming out. Both look that, absolutely amazing. Yeah, and I'm I'm, it's, um, I'm very interested in Star Trek Online. But uh, when the Hallmark booth was set up right next to the Lucasfilm booth at uh, Comic Con, I saw the preview for. Uh, um, old Republic probably, gosh, ten times a day for five days, but it never got old. Yeah. That thing looks really, really cool. So if if the game can deliver, you know, if the game can yes. deliver, it's uh, it's one of those, you just can't play everything. But if you could, if you could, those would be two games definitely to be checking out. Yeah, yeah. I have two more things on my list that I could add. Um, sure, a complete working stormtrooper outfit. Oh, come on. You know what? I've got, I've got a modified stormtrooper outfit. I could loan you. Um, <laughs> it shows up on oh, the Facebook. No. <laughs> Is that the one with the assless chaps? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Bad That's image. Not a no. Bad image. That's not a no. Not a no. Oh. It's, it, uh, Bad image. It's, Bad uh, image. I've, I've got it. I've I've got a, a a picture I throw up on my Facebook page once in a while of this guy walking down the street. He's wearing a uh, he's shirtless with like this double leather bandolier across his man boobs, a uh, a diaper, uh, socks with sandals, and a stormtrooper helmet, and it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, yep. oh man. Anyways. Oh my God. <laughs> the portrait of a nerd is a young man. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, it's great. And of course, you know, it goes, it, whenever I put it up, there's always somebody that comes on and says, Is that really you? And it's like, No, it's not really me. And my daughter gets on there. Yeah, it is. It's really you. <laughs> Somebody is paying for her own damn college. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So that's one thing I would add, and, and well, I would. That's, add, gonna, that's an image that's going to linger. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> bad image, bad image. I can't get it out of my head. Um, <laughs> the other thing I would love to hear happen, uh, you know, wake up Christmas morning and hear, you know, across Twitter most likely that Josh Whedon has a Josh Whedon has announced the return of Firefly. Ah, uh, that, that would be fun. See it would be back. fun, but they would they would probably. I mean, the reality is they would have to, they would have to get a new crew for it, most likely, and just because of contracts and all that. But hey, I just love the universe. I thought the universe was realistic and had that authentic, gritty feel that I think Star Wars had. And I don't know. I think I like it. But you know, I I don't know that getting I don't know that getting the cast members back together would be that difficult i i mean my understanding is that they all remain in touch with each other and regularly see each other yeah and would work and would want to work together there you know if the opportunity arose be it firefly or some other project but i mean you know nathan fillion does a lot of stuff for joss whedon on the side just for for 
for, for goofs. Yeah, you know, he did that uh-huh. Doctor Horrible blog during the writer's strike, and he's done some other things for right. um, for for Whedon on the side. And I, I mean, most of those people would probably. I don't know that it would take a lot of cajoling to bring them back for a project like that. Well, you know, one of the things that's so, amazing I mean, to watch is as I look at the TV shows, I'm always saying, "Oh yeah, that's a fire. That has a Firefly cast member. That's a fire." There's a lot when I look at shows, I say, "Oh, well, now who's in it from Firefly?" There's like like I think of V and Dollhouse and. And then Terminator, Saracana Chronicles, and there's others, uh, Castle, and all these shows that these actors and Chuck with um, with Adam Baldwin. I mean, there's just so many that have just uh, constantly yeah. come up. Flash Forward had Gina Torres. Did you catch? Yeah. Did, did yeah? Did you catch the uh, episode of Castle for Halloween where he dresses up as? Oh Mal? yes, 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 <laughs> In the yes. Teaser. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, that was that was hilarious. That was a, that was a great homage. Yeah. yeah. Loved it. So, we we had uh, two other people that wrote in with their lists, and we'll just kind of maybe wrap out the list segment with this. Uh, oh, can I throw my last one in? Oh, real quick? absolutely. Go ahead. Didn't mean to my cut last, you off. Last one. No, no, no. I just because I, my list was more than five. Um, I would be just fine with a gift certificate of any amount to Think Geek, and I know we've we have mentioned it uh, a number of times, but uh, I can't go on that site without finding uh, you know I mean ten things that if I had the uh, loose cash I would drop. Um, they've got they're just very imaginative with the stuff they come up on their own. Um, they're they're cool with the stuff that they find from other vendors to put sell on the site thinkgeek.com is absolutely the place uh to check out if for nothing else check out the tauntaun sleeping bag which, oh, which is yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely i actually so. have their catalog here i've been looking through it while we've been talking <laughs> so and i just it's that when kevin talks from next order no from beginning yeah. to end, I mean, Dayton, Dayton and I, uh, um, we both got uh, um, rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock shirts from from Think Geek. Um, we've, uh, um, I mean, we've, I mean, we've picked up everything from from t-shirts to bacon flavored bubble gum. Um, they've got, <laughs> dude, uh, you were passing that around uh, shortly last year. Keep that to yourself. That is correct. That stuff is terrible. Dayton oh, still spell oh. it. Dayton was singing your curses uh, <laughs> at the time. Yeah, there's there's only one thing more nausea inducing than bacon flavored bubble gum at short leave, and it's the carpet in that hotel. Oh yeah, um, no, the only thing nausea, the only thing worse than bacon flavored gum is someone with bacon flavored gum breath. <laughs> and if you happen to be sharing a hotel with your, with him, then it gets a little worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just but, saying. Uh, I know, but no. I, I mean, I, I mean, I can't. I I probably send a, uh, um, the thinkgeek.com link to people three times a week, and uh, it's just my my favorite uh, uh, online uh, uh, merchandiser. So no, there, there you have go. it. There you go. All right, we had uh, two two of our listeners kind of wrote in with theirs. Uh, actually, this first one, uh, her Twitter name is Trilsey. And she said she found us through you, Dayton. Yeah. So, do you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, she, I do. I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. So she uh, she said that on her list, Firefly and DVD. She went to season DVD and uh, also the ninth and tenth Doctor Who's uh, the ninth and tenth Doctors from Doctor Who. I guess on DVD. Okay. So that was on her list. And then her and one of our listeners said Terminator Salvation, which he believes is better than Transformers. Um. And well, that's raising the bar pretty high. Isn't it? I, I not too much. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Was that out loud? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was like trying to say better than. I mean, I'm trying to think of what uh, you know. I don't know. Like a, a three day old hush puppy right now is better than. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Um, and then the it's other thing you said, 
Yeah, he's hoping to get some books, and I thought he didn't have any that he was really thinking. But do you recommend any books that someone might want to pick up for this holiday season? Other than, well, I mean, your own, obviously. But. Other than, other than by those two packs, Warden Dilmore. Yeah, hang on. Uh, yeah. I mean, what, I mean, well, I mean, I got two awesome books for Christmas from Dayton, um, so I was excited about those. I got a, uh, um, I got uh, a uh, new edition, or uh, I mean, well, the newest—I don't know when it was published—but uh, of uh, Jack Webb's novel, The Badge, which uh, was one of the things that inspired him to get involved with Bragnet. Um, and I got a copies of a, an omnibus of the two novels that inspired the first two made-for-TV movies for Colchak the Night Stalker. Um, so, uh, so those were, those were pretty cool. I did go out with my, I think it was like 30% off at Barnes and Noble on top of 20% off on top of whatever. I, I, I felt like I almost walked out with it for free. I did pick up the new Stephen King novel under the dome. I've, it's been favorably compared to, uh, uh, works like the stand. Uh, it sounds like kind of a cross, uh, a little bit of, uh, of Lord of the flies and, and, and who knows what, I don't know. Are you guys familiar with that book or the premise? I, I am not. Um, it's it's eleven hundred page novel and and basically it's a small town in in Maine you know big surprise that yeah. uh, out, out of nowhere this this you know fairly sizable uh, impenetrable transparent dome just drops into the town and um, nothing gets in nothing gets out and you know inside the dome all of society starts to collapse. And you know because they they you know it's, it's anarchy starts to to rule and they say that it's it's just Stephen King storytelling I mean, you know, back at the level of the stuff that he used to do you know when he was writing uh, you know things like The Stand in the seventies so mm-hmm. I'm I'm really excited to check that well I, I was gonna say I'm looking at my bookshelf here and and, and uh, if you are a fan of the new Star Trek film then the art of Star the or Star Trek the art of the film. Uh, is a book that might be a good gift. It's a coffee-tailized hardback book, and it's got just tons of concept drawings and sketches for sets and ships and costumes, gadgets, and uh, you know uh, the different takes they had on an idea before they finalized what something was going to look like. I mean, it's just a gorgeous volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very detailed. Very an interesting background notes from J.J. Abrams and the producers and the writers and the guy who you know designed the ship and the sets. Uh, very, very cool book if you're into that sort of thing. Well, very good. Very good. I will have to check that out. Definitely. All right. Well, uh, let's move into, I guess, moving to wrap up this show. And uh, we're going to take a quick break here. And then after the break, we'll hear maybe some of yours. We'll come up with a topic for the Sci-Fi 5 and 5. So Ghost infected Frank. He passed it on to the other guys, and I got it from his corpse. Right. Hello, Echo. How are you feeling? Did I fall asleep? For a little while. Previously on Heroes. You had to go and be the detective, didn't you, Matt? I'm not an aggressive person, but... Ugh, man, there's just way too much on all I these like channels. Things, but only in-game. Everybody lives, Rose. Just this one! In your dreams, Loaf. Bite my shiny metal hat. Sometimes I get, I get vision. Walter, what are you doing? I wish there was some way to find out what's really worth watching. There is. What? Who? What was that? Tuning into Sci-Fi TV is the viewer's guide to genre television. Where is that coming from? 
With its spoiler-free quick reviews and water cooler and the spoiler-filled in-depth back porch discussions, Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV is the only resource fans need to know what's on, what's good, and what's coming soon in science fiction and fantasy television. How did you get into my house? Join Kevin, Wendy, and Brent each week for the latest in genre television. I'm calling the police. Uh, you can find Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV at TuningIntoSciFiTV.com. No, seriously. How did you get into my house? Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. We are going to wrap up the show. And, of course, as we've been doing in the past couple shows, we've been giving you the Sci-Fi 5 and 5. And tonight we are going to have Dayton and Kevin tag team on the five, their five favorite aliens. Is that correct? Sure. In all of sci-fi. So take it away, guys. Your five favorite aliens. Kevin, go ahead. The apes on Planet of the Apes. I mean, when you talk about, uh, you know, I mean, like my favorite aliens from, from when I was uh, growing up, the movies that I loved to see every time they came on TV, um, of, as far as wanting to learn about an alien race, as far as just, I mean, watching these films and, and, and learning about them. And, and Dayton knows more. I mean, he's forgotten more about Planet of the Apes universe than I could ever remember. Um, but but I, I love the apes on Planet of the Apes. All right. That's one. That's one. Uh, I'm going to go with the original. I'm going to go with the Alien from the from the original Alien movie in '79, and then the you know the the sequels that followed. Right. I'll go with that one. That scared one. the living crap out of me at age twelve when I saw that movie in 1979. It, it freaks. It still freaks me out as an adult. It still does. Yeah. All right. That's two. Uh, my turn. Yep. Sure. Um, the uh, uh, the the Martians from George Pal's War of the Worlds um, is still something that uh, when I think about War of the Worlds, uh, that's the one I want to watch, and I've probably got four different versions of uh, of that story on DVD. Um, the the George Pal one, the one that they did not too long ago uh, um, with uh, well uh, well the one with Tom Cruise, but they also did one not too long ago that was based on the original H.G. Wells novel that was set contemporary to the novel, and uh, and then the Tripods, which was a great, uh, you know, allegedly children's uh, uh, TV series made in Britain that uh, was kind of you know based in the H.G. Wells uh, Martian universe, but but the George Powell one with the, uh, with the three colored eyes and the uh, and, and the spaceships with those awesome death rays and and everything, I just those aliens were great. That's awesome. All right, number four. Well, he didn't look like an alien, but he was an alien. Clatu um, from the Day the Earth Stood Still, the original Day the Earth Stood Still. I heard rumors of a remake sometime last year, but I refuse to acknowledge it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, he's not a scary alien except for the fact that he brings a message that says, you know, hey, planet Earth, you need to grow the hell up or we're going to blast you. So it's a t- that, is, that is a great movie to this day. It is a fantastic movie, and the remake absolutely does not hold a candle to the original. There you so, go. Cool. And number five. So, well, I guess. I mean, do we do we like try to tag? Oh, well, I'll do. I'll do. Uh, I'll do a fifth, and then if if you've got it, or I'll do my third. If you got your third, just throw in. Um, <laughs> the uh, um, episode of the Twilight Zone, which actually I've got kind of a, a, a peripheral family connection to, called uh, "Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up." 
um, which featured uh, a, uh, a Martian as well as a Venusian in it. And I don't know. I'm assuming that people have seen the uh, the Twilight Zone episode where uh, this bus mires in the snow and ends up in this diner. And uh, there's you know, I mean, these aliens are talking about the the you know this uh, that the Martians are coming, this and that. Uh, uh, a guy takes his hat off and he's uh, um, uh, got a third eye, and the other guy's got three arms at the table, and they're figuring out which invasion fleet's going to get to to Earth first. I that made a real impression on me when I was a kid. And uh, the guy who plays the three armed Martian, um, John Hoyt, who also uh, played uh, um, on the Star Trek pilot the Cage as the uh, as the physician, uh, Doctor Piper. I, I got the name right, didn't I? I was. I yeah. have to. Yep, yeah, Mark Piper. No, actually, um, no. That Doctor Boyce. Doctor Boyce. Oh, Boyce. Philip Boyce. Yeah. See, I always screw those two up. Piper was in Where No Man Has Gone Before. Doctor Boyce was in the Cage, and uh, but John Hoyt actually is uh, my uh, brother-in-law's grandfather. So uh, wow. weird family connection uh, to uh, to John Hoyt. But yeah, those two aliens from Twilight Zone were great. All right. And Dayton, do you have a third? I'm trying not to cop out, but um, my I guess I guess a favorite would be the the Predator from the Predator movies. Um, I enjoy the first Predator film to this day, not so much the the follow-ons, but um, I still love that original movie. It's a great little action flick that you know just happens to be have a sci-fi element to it. So. Right, right. Very right, cool. Well, thank you so much for your sci-fi six and five, I guess this time, which is <laughs> no, which works for we us. We can't count. Uh, Whatever well, you know. Hey, you know we're English teachers, right? Whatever. Um, there are three kinds of was it? There are three kinds of people: those who can count and those who can't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Anyways, if you, our listeners, have your sci-fi five and five and want to send it on over as an MP3 file, we'll, we'll be happy to play it on the show and uh, <laughs> and talk about it afterwards. And uh, but anyways, thank you. I'm just glad. Go ahead. Just, I'm just glad you didn't hit us with like what was it we were talking about before the show recorded the five first worst hairdos in sci-fi or yeah, something. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, they all belong to Catherine Janeway. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, that'll get me burned at stake. So. Yeah. Oh man. Anyways, thanks guys for coming on the show tonight. It's our pleasure. Thanks for, yeah, thanks for having. And we uh, for having. yeah, we'll we'll record a little segment after to talk about TV, but let's wrap up the show. Um, where can people find you guys? John TV. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Took a second. Yeah. He's just going to keep so, saying that same joke. Uh, I, know, I know. I know. Um, Mash.com. Um, the, uh, yeah. Um, uh, you can follow us uh, both on, uh, on, on Twitter. Uh, we're both active on uh, on Facebook. I mean, if somebody wanted to follow me, the best place to go is on Facebook. I've got a, a page called uh, uh, Kevin Dilmore's Culture Mayhem that uh, where I'll talk about stuff that Dayton and I are doing, or just uh, you know throw out questions for discussion about sci-fi or TV or whatever it is. And look for us in Star Trek Magazine. Uh, I don't. We don't have any. I mean, we'll, we'll be doing some signings uh, this summer, but. Uh, I mean, the next one we've got scheduled is in April in Denver at Starfest. And uh, in, in your website, in the website, uh, Dayton's website. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was going to say, most of our stuff is archived at DaytonWard.com. And right. from there, you have links to all the other internet banality. Right. So, so infinity you know, Facebook and, and Twitter and LiveJournal, my blog on LiveJournal. So I have links to all of it there at DaytonWard.com. Yeah. 
And Miles, where can they find you? Uh, I'm also on Twitter, uh, Son of Worf at Twitter, and I have a Trekspace account, uh, Son of Worf at Trekspace. Yeah, there you go. And you can find me on Twitter, Herzog, H-E-R-T-Z-O-G, on Twitter. Or I'm also the face of the Sci-Fi Diner, I guess, on Twitter as well. We have our website, of course, the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast.com, which will give you more information than you want to know about this podcast. And uh, you can come check us out there. You can also email us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. And if you want to call in and leave us your thoughts that way rather than send an MP3, you do that at one 508 4343 I believe that's it. So we'll see you guys. Thanks again for coming on. Yes, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yes, for having thank us. you. Yeah, well, we'll see you later. Till then, good night and good luck. <laughs>